friends. Very happy to be here tonight and to be in the service of the dear Lord Jesus Christ. How wonderful it is to be in his presence. And now we are... I'm very happy to know that you all are not afraid of a little rain cloud. Someone said, well, people won't come out tonight, said there's a rain cloud coming over. That shows you're a real good Baptist, and you don't, you're not afraid of water, so that's, uh, that's very fine. And I hear that there was a Baptist church going to give us their place for the night if it did rain. If the pastor or any of the people would be here, we certainly appreciate that. That's very nice. And may the Lord bless you, my dear brother, and the deacons or whoever it was that was giving us that opportunity. Now, tomorrow... Tomorrow we have two, two more nights, that's tomorrow night and Sunday night, in the service. And I was wondering why that I, Brother Argenbright had never gotten here. Wife called me a few moments ago, and he's been called to California. And we're, he's making arrangements also for us to leave immediately after this meeting to Zurich, Switzerland. And now, Mr. Moore, I don't know why he hasn't gotten here. One of the brothers has just come and asked me about the ministerial breakfast. And I don't know what to say. I don't... I'd make a very poor manager. Anybody in line for the managership out here? Well, this is... Um, I guess for the more quit. <laughs> it's quite a job, anyhow. So, uh, then we have... Won't remember these cards here tonight and these letters to be prayed for, or prayed over, rather. Now, how many believe in praying for the sick by handkerchiefs? Let's see your hands. That's wonderful. That's what God commanded. Now, I was believing in South Africa, Brother Tom, down at Cape Town, when a paper wrote up said Brother Branham is a very superstitious man. He had about uh, several sacks sitting along there full of mail, you know, a great big, great big grass burlap sack full of mail. What? <laughs> Many testaments of the healing, he said, the sacks that he had there. <laughs> so they was, uh, uh, said Brother Branham is very superstitious that he's, he kneels and prays over handkerchiefs for people. That shows don't read the Bible very much, isn't it? Now, a lot of people, they anoint the handkerchiefs for the sick. Now, that's very fine. Anything that God will do right, and blessing the sick, brother, I'm right for it. But now, I don't anoint the handkerchiefs. Now, if you'll follow me real close with the Scripture, Paul didn't anoint the handkerchiefs. They just taken off of his body and said handkerchiefs and aprons and they were sent to the sick. And... You're the great God of heaven, how he has honored and blessed that effort. Thousands times thousands of testimonies around the world. And we got a prayer circle starting, Eastern Daylight Time, Standard Time, that, I mean Central Daylight Standard Time. They, around the world, people are praying, get up at midnight in the night and so forth, around different parts of the world, and literally tens of thousands are praying one for the other at the same time. I send out thousands of handkerchiefs, a little naughty cloth, each month from my office at Jeffersonville, and we got about 10 offices overseas. So you can imagine how many goals in a, in a run of a month. Now, we've seen some of the most marvelous miracles. For instance, in Germany here recently, this little lady sitting all crippled up with arthritis in a chair. Poor little thing. She'd been in there many, many years. And um, so as soon as she got the handkerchief was sent to her, I give instructions on how to place it on the body. She did just as it was instructed. She said, now you old devil, you get out of this body. And she got right up and went walking on. 
Now, that's just how simple healing is, just taking God at his word. She said, now, you old devil, you get out of here. And up she got and went walking on. Well, that's the way to do it. And um, someone was telling me last night that the meeting's all to me is a dream, more or less. And last night, they were talking about two or three of the wheelchair cases. I noticed the cops are vanishing away, and the wheelchairs, some of them paralyzed, and arthritis and so forth. Healed and taken out of the wheelchairs by our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that marvelous? Mine. Some of them for years have been in there. I tell you, if you can just believe, God's got the power, if you can just believe it. That's all it takes is your faith in Christ. Now, usually we give one night that we try to take up prayer cards. We can't get too many of them in one night and the praying for them under that anointing, as I call it that. And uh, we give one night that either the ministers all line up and get the people to come through and lay hands on them, or either we have just a prayer line and I go down and pray. If there's not too many, just uh, take an individual and, and pray for them and pass them on, get another and another. If there's not too many, I can get them that way. And if there is a great group of them that I can't get through, usually I pray until I know his presence there. Then just stand close and let the people pass by laying hands on them as they pass. Now... I may get criticism over this, but, you know, Mr. Roberts has a little thing that I always admired in teaching called the point of contact. Somebody's got to have something that they can do that makes a contact of their face. Well, that's very good. That, that's good if you can do that. He has them touch a chair or something while he's praying from the platform. That works all right, especially in America. America has been taught, most of the people, of laying hands on the sick. That's a Jewish custom, and it's all right. It's the Scripture. Now, some places in the Scripture, they were commanded to go lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Another place, they was to anoint them with oil, and prayer of faith shall save the sick. Another place, there's to cast out evil spirits, and, and you just see it all around. It's according to your faith, be it unto you. And like I said the other night, Jairus said, come lay your hands on my girl, and she'll live. Well, I've heard about you. I believe you're just what you say you are, so you come lay your hands on my girl, and she'll live. But the Roman, not so. Just speak the word. I'm not worried you come around my place. You just speak the word, and my servant shall live. It's according to your faith what happens. Now, last night, I said if we give tonight and come early so that we could pray for everyone holding a prayer card, if they so desire it. Now, to finish my story there, before I get to that, overseas, in the African campaign, as Brother Tom's knows, see, what the people there are taught, it's just the supernatural. They've had the Bible over and over and over and over, and missionaries have come and gone and taught the Bible in the line of, of psychology and so forth. Well, they, they say, well, that's all right. Ah, ah, we believe that. But let me see somebody who can make it manifest. Let me see something happen. If he's such a great God, let's see what he can do. Well, in our schools, we're taught the days of miracles have passed, and all that God was is just a history now, see. That's all. So... The natives don't go for that very well. But one time when you can, they can actually see the supernatural powers of God moving, that settles it. They don't want to pray for The only thing they want to do is know he's there. And, and you tell them what to do and they'll do it. Just think of one time making a prayer over an audience, 25,000 healings taking place at one time. Just think of that. And I tell you, they haul cots and stretchers and beds and everything away from there and clubs and sticks and things that they'd walked on for a long time. Now, 
But now, seemingly in America, that won't work too well. It does anyhow. The people don't get it just right, but you just mark my words, you around here. You pastors especially. In your churches, weeks after we're gone, you'll hear women and men come up and say, that stomach trouble I had, I just don't have it no more. And the lady, little lady said, well, I was bothered with the female trouble. It just doesn't bother me no more. See, right in the audience at night. Now tonight, I've been kind of jollying around, eating, and kind of becomes the platform tonight for this very purpose. Just simply to stand and speak to people and go lay hands on them, that was all. And, um, and so I can tell you now, when I'm more conscious of telling you than any time I've been in, in the meeting. See, there's people, when, before I, when I'm speaking, I see that light hanging over people. I just can't stop and call everybody. And sometimes just the whole place looks like just, just soothes over people everywhere. That people are healed. If they are. You can't call them. Get, you couldn't do it. You just one or the other. It's him doing it, see? And you, they'll find it out sooner or later. The first thing you know, they'll baby around with her condition a little while. First thing you know, it's gone. They'll be come back testifying to the pastor. You know, I got over that somehow or another. You just watch and see if that, if that isn't so, you say Brother Bram's a false prophet, see? You just see if that isn't so. It's right. Many of them will be, be it's well now. And they just don't perhaps realize it. That's the truth. The blessing is on them. Now, you remember, when God pronounces a blessing, it don't have to happen just in the spare of a moment. How many know that? Listen, that's right. It could be a week later when it happens. Here's some time ago, I was coming in the prayer line, and watch the tape, see? Watch what he's saying to you. And in the tape, there's a little lady come along, and she um, had a stomach trouble. And it told her, said, well, it told her who she was and all about it. I've got the tape at home right now. And so... It told her how long she'd been suffering. She had stomach trouble and what it was called from. Yes, that was right. Then a vision broke. I've seen her well. And it broke through of thus saith the Lord, you know, you're healed. Well, she went off happy about it. She said, yes, I'm healed. There's a lady right behind her, which lived in the neighborhood. She had a big growth on the side of her throat here. She had it for a number of years. And um, so as soon as it spoke to her, said the same thing. She was healed. She fell up for the knot real quick, but it was it's still there. Well, she went away. She said, well, if the man is able to tell me all about truth, what I was, surely what he told me will be will be that way. So she went away believing it, and it was weeks later, or I guess five or six weeks later, they both come into the meeting, and here was her testimony. The little lady with her stomach trouble, she thought, well, if I'm healed, I might as well go home and eat. So she went home and tried it, but oh, what a job she had. And the next morning... She tried, and she was testifying being healed, and my, she just couldn't eat at all. She just vomited up. She'd go eat some more and vomit again. So she just kept on that way, and, and she was praising the Lord for healing her. Said, yes, I'm healed. And so the neighbors began to talk about her. Said, now, wait, you're going to bring reproach upon the name of the Lord. Said, you better be careful. She said, but look, I chased that tape, and it was not him said that for it. was the Lord called before it. It was the Lord. So she kept with it. Weeks passed. And... One thing, one morning, they all, a group of their folks went to, their children went to school, her husband went to work. She was washing the dishes. Said she stand there washing the dishes, and all at once a real cool feeling went over. And said she never thought nothing. A few moments she got real hungry. Said she picked up a piece of buttered toast and started eating it. Said she thought, well, I'll vomit up in a minute. So then she eat it, but it stayed down. She's still hungry. So she thought, well, I'll just try then one of these eggs that's left over. So she eat that, it was just fine. She said, well, if that's all right, I'll try a bowl of these oats. So she eats some of the oats, and she said, I just might as well have a gastronomical jubilee. So she just got her a big cup of coffee and really went to town. 
and see if having her a good time with it. And you know what? She waited a little while, didn't bother her. She got to see me good. And she said, oh, my, I just got to go tell my neighbor about two or three hours later. She ran down the street. When she got down there at the house, somebody was screaming and shouting. That lady said, you know what? Said, this morning, I'm positive. When I was combing my hair, that knot was on my throat. And look, it's gone. Said, it just left. And they began to rejoice. Now you might wonder what it is. The presence of the supernatural, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, his angel that stands near. Now, when I see the man, it isn't the Lord Jesus. The great tall man, he's way bigger than what the Christ that I've seen in the vision. Christ was a very small person. But this was a big man. And when he was um, in a smooth face, and when he, um, he had spoke the word, but he couldn't get to it perhaps at the time, and he passed through that neighborhood confirming what he had said. See? Now, one time Daniel of the Bible, he had an angel follow him. And one time he started praying, and you know what? That angel was detained for, I believe, about 20, 21 days, was it? 21 days before he could even get to him, see? Oh, when, when it's once settled in a heart, oh, that settles it forever. That's all, no matter what comes or goes, if it's ever once settled. Now, I want to see how many here that believe in laying hands on the sick so I can know how to stage my meeting just now. How many want uh, people of hands laid on, see? All right, looks like it's going to be hands laid on. <laughs> All right, now there's about two or three hundred here or more of that. How many have prayer cards here tonight? Raise up your hands. It's here. It's got holding prayer cards. Ooh, my. All right. Well, there's only one thing that I know to do then, and that would be to call the prayer cards uh, out and start praying for them. But then there's so many of you with those prayer cards holding them. We want you to begin at the first of the night. Well, let them that was up had the first prayer cards begin first. But you know what I think? Well, let's do. Let's just talk a little while and pray a little bit until the angel of the Lord begins to move among us. And then when that takes place, then let him take care of the rest of it. Is that all right? Just if he will do it. Let him do it in his way. And then if it comes, I would rather, I believe, stand here knowing that his presence was here than just to stand here and just have prayer for you. And uh, I'll be that. Would you? I'd be better, don't you think so? To know that he was here, cause you know what? Well, let's just ask him now, and if he'll come, we'll testify a few minutes and see what he says about it. Shall we bow our heads first for prayer? Now, Heavenly Father, laying before me here is these handkerchiefs that are going to the sick and the afflicted, and Thou art so full of love and mercy. We just have this confidence to know that what you say that you will do. You're God, and you cannot lie. And thou hast given us this promise. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe, you receive it. And you shall have it. So I'm believing with this audience of people, with all my heart, that the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ is here tonight. And that every sick person that these handkerchiefs represent shall recover. God, if they have sinned, forgive them for it. We plead as to our brothers and sisters and the little children that these shall represent, and may each of them be healed for Jesus' sake. And now, Lord God, creator of heavens and earth, author of everlasting life and giver of ever good gifts, send thy presence upon us, Lord. And may it come to pass tonight while these people are sitting here holding these prayer cards. God, I pray that every one of them will be healed, and not only those, but every one without prayer cards tonight. 
that this will be a night of the greatest jubilee that we've ever had since the service has been going. May there not be a cot case or a cripple or blind or cancer, heart trouble or whatever it is, but may God sweep among us tonight and just heal everything that's on the ground. Grant us, Father. May this be to your honor and glory. For we ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. I may his blessings be added to you. Now let's get a scripture somewhere here and read just for a, a moment. A little scripture found over here in St. John, the 16th chapter. And I, I like this, beginning at the um, 29th verse. His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now we are sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou comest from God. Jesus answering unto them and said, Do you now believe? What a wonderful uh, text we have under consideration at this time. Now to every one of you that's here, I wouldn't come here. I'd rather be home tonight my wife and family a million times and know that I'd meet God in peace than to come here and know I'd have to stand before him to be a deceiver. I don't anything but to be a hypocrite or a deceiver. I certainly wouldn't want to be that. No one would want to be. And I, if I didn't think that I was in the will of God, I wouldn't be out here tonight. If I didn't think that the message that I had for you from the Lord Jesus Christ would do you good, I certainly would not be here. You know it's not for popularity. I'm a person that shuns that. Uh, if it would have been, I'd have been out here in the nation tonight under bright lights and everything else, with great television, radio programs and everything, it would have been different. And you know a minister of this type would produce that. But I've shunned it, cut back from it. Let the crowds be little so you won't have to pull for money. Let the poor people have their money. And so forth. The Lord will take care of the rest of the thing if we, if it's just knowing. And I haven't covet money. I don't take money. I was a Baptist preacher for several years, 12 years, pastor of Tabernacle at Jeffersville, and never one time took an offering in my life. Never one time. I worked for a living. I remember one night I was going to take an offering. Uh, you know how poor people get. You get to a place where you can't make ends meet. Did you ever have that ever happen to you? Yes. Where you can't make the ends meet. Then, and when I got in that shape, I said to the wife, I said, Honey, I, I'm going to take up an offering tonight. Now, they'd have done it. Bless their heart, that's the tabernacle. They'd have sold their homes to give to me. But I didn't make very much, and I was a uh, game warden during the time, and I wasn't going to rest nobody like <laughs> I never, I was on seven years and never made one rest, so. <laughs> but I believe I made some good fishermen. That's one thing. I talked to them, and. Told them about the Lord, so that's better. I wasn't fired, I just quit to serve the Lord. So, uh, I didn't have much money, and we had a debt coming up, and I just uh, needed five dollars so bad, and the brother was working in, making quite a bit of money, and I just got a little bit of salary and then commission on what I took otherwise, and I didn't make any of that, so I said, Oh, I need some money, honey. I just got to have it. I said, I'm going to take up an offering. She said, I'm going to watch you do it. Over she goes and sits down right in front of the church. I said, well, brethren, <clears throat> tonight, I said, I, I kind of hate to ask you this. I said, but I'm kind of in a little tight place, and I wonder if I'd pass my hat around if I'd get this little offering night personally for myself. We had a little box on the back of the church to pay the debts and things. that ain't so much done the little ones. You've done it to me. And Brother Wiseheart, an old deacon, about 80 years old, he's in glory tonight. He got up, got my hat, 
I looked around. This little old woman used to pray for me all the time. This little old mother with a little checkered apron on, you know. And I seen her reach down there, this little apron, get out one of these little pocketbooks. She's got a snap on the top of it, you know, unsnap it, get to reach down there for those nickels. Oh, I couldn't do that. No, sir. Oh, I just couldn't do it. I, I seen that poor little thing doing that, and them little feeble fingers reaching down there for that nickels. I, I just couldn't do it. I'd have been there, felt like I would have uh, tucked pie from the baby. I, I just couldn't do it. And I said, I was just accusing you all. I, I didn't mean that. The old deacon had my hat down there. He looked back at me. He said, now what must I do? I said, hang my hat up. I was just going on. <laughs> you know what? There's an old man used to come to my house by the name of Ryan. He's in glory tonight, too. Many of you remember, I guess, old Elder Ryan, long hair. He rode an old bicycle down there and gave it to me. And I went out and took 10 cents and got the 10-cent store and got me a can of paint and painted it up and sold it for $5 and got by anyhow. So it didn't have to be. That's the first time. So I... It isn't that. No, I'm out because I believe the Lord Jesus Christ. I love him and all of his people. And if a man can sin like I was at one time, and I'll, I want to help him get out of there if I can. That's the truth. I want to help him to know who created him and what he's here for. He's here to be a son of God. And I don't want to see him out there drinking and crowding around and dying and be lost in the judgment. And I stand up there and this generation comes up and me a minister to represent this generation. Then he said, well, you never told me nothing about it. I want my voice to sweep everywhere, telling everybody and pleading them to come to the Lord. He gave me a gift when I was just a little boy, when I was born. I was about two minutes old when it was first declared. And that I do that with all my heart to try to win people to God. Um, it's, not, it's not for any certain church. I don't represent any church. I believe that we're all brothers. Every man or woman, boy or girl... That's born again of the Spirit of God, regardless of what church you go to, doesn't make any difference to me. That's God. If you're my brother by Christ, if God receives you, your peculiarity and me with mine, we're brothers. That's all. So I like that. And I think the time will come someday when we'll all be that way and recognize one another that way. God let me live to see the time. Anything that I love is a fellowship that... At the Methodist, Baptist, and Pentecostal Church of God, Nazarene, Pilgrim, Oldest, everybody can shake hands with one another and say, We are brothers. Right. And our little peculiarities, God don't pay attention to that anyhow. Our little petty doctrines and things, that doesn't mean anything. Now, I'd just like to tell you what my secret of the greatest... What are you, are you, how'd you like me to tell you tonight what I think is the greatest, most powerful force there is on earth? Would you like me to tell you about it in a few minutes? You might not love me so well after this, because I'll just tell you, the mightiest force there is on earth is love. Exactly. There's nothing that will break down love, no matter what it is. Whatever you are, what you might have sang, you might have danced in the Spirit, you might have spoke with tongues, you might have shook the elder's hand, you might have been baptized three times this way, backwards, face forward, any way you want to, but until love anchors in your heart, you're still out of God. That's right. right. You've got to have love. For that, the Bible said God is love. And God is the strong, the love is the strongest force. Now, there's two different kinds of love. There's human love, which is a Greek word, is a, is a filial love. And then agapo love is the, is the high love, uh, divine love. Now, you take the like the filial love. When we have that, love a mother for a baby will drive her right straight to a flaming fire to save that baby's life. It'll make a man for his sweetheart lay down his life anytime. See what I mean? It's, it, that's just human love. And gee, I believe somewhere in the Bible it said, could a mother 
or get a little something base. Said, you, you may, but I can never forget you for you're engraved on the palms of my hands. So how could God ever forsake us or, or anything as long as he loves us like that? I'll tell you what you do, church members. Now, if some member goes to your church, I know I'm talking to Protestant and Catholic, and I'm talking to uh, Calvinists and Armenians, but that's neither that's pro nor con. You do this. If you want to be a real outstanding person in your church, wherever church you will go to, you just fall in love with God with all your heart, and when you do that, you'll fall in love with every member of your church and every member of everybody else's church with all your heart. Now, you can't bluff that. Now, there's something about it that people know. If there's anything I can contribute to success of my meetings to, earthly speaking, is to know that people have a conscience to know that I truly, truly love people. I just love people. And they know that. And you, can, you, can't, you can't fool them on that. If, if you are making out or pretending, just like Christianity, if you're pertaining to be a Christian, just pretending, rather, to be a Christian, You'll never make a go of it. No, sir. It's absolutely got to be there. That's all. Love will do it. I have been a great uh, lover of wildlife. You know that. And I've noticed in animal life, if, you're, if you love animals, if you love them, you can do anything with them you want to. And if you don't love them, they know it. And if you're afraid of them, like a biting dog. If somebody said a dog will bite. If you're afraid of him, you're sure to go get bit. See? Now, you're not going to fool him. You might say I'm not afraid of him, but you, that better come from somewhere besides your lips because he knows better, see? Now, if you're not afraid of him, it's different. And that's what's the matter with people tonight. I want you to get this close. It's because that you're afraid you're not going to get healed is the reason you don't get healed. See? You mustn't be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of. Jesus has already died and paid the price. We're free. You must come with that kind of an attitude. Let me give you a little personal experiences of my own, if you'd excuse it for just a few moments longer, you'd say, Brother Branham, what are you stalling about? I'm waiting for him. Exactly. I'm just testifying or doing something that I know that his presence is near. And then, uh, then when it does, then it'll be different, and we'll call the prayer line. But in order to pass by here, I want to lay my hands on people when I know that the Holy Spirit is here. It might be something to bless the people. And now, uh, I'll I give you some little experience inside my life especially in love. Many times at our home, the people pile in there and everything. It's a whole lot better to be in a meeting than it is to be at home because there's people I've seen as many 17, 18 carloads uh, when it gets up in the morning setting up and down this lane where I live. And uh, all the hotels full and the motels full and everybody's screaming and crying. You know what that means. You come in and so weary. You hardly know where you're at. I woke up here not long ago right out in the middle of the floor holding a pillow in my arm and said, Only believe, brother. That's the only thing you have to do. Just believe. My wife woke me up. My, I was out on the floor. Just was, it was so tore up, you know, and tired. I just couldn't go any farther. And I had this pillow in my hand saying, Just believe, brother. That's all you have to do. See? And, uh, oh, I don't know. It's pretty rough. <laughs> so, but what it is is I'm trying to do something for him. I want to represent him to the people. And then, here some time ago, I'll tell you a little a story that you might not think was just right. I come in the room or the kitchen, and the whole house had been piled full, this room, that room, downstairs, and everywhere. And then, 
When I was getting through along about from early that morning, it's about five o'clock. We've been turning everybody away, the boys at the gates and so forth. They're keeping the people away. I went out into the kitchen. There my wife sat out there crying as hard as she could cry. Two little girls just sitting on the floor fighting over their blocks. And so the house all tore up, everything. And Nita said, my wife said, Zilly, I am going wild. She said, these children hasn't had a bite to eat all day long. The kitchen's standing full. The house standing full. Oh, she said, I... 35 years old and snow white headed stand between me and the public. And I said, well, honey, I said, she said, oh, I just don't know what to do. And I poor little fellow, I felt sorry for it. Now, let me tell you something. Each man that's born again with the Spirit of God in him is a minister creator. Now, that might shake you a little, but that's the truth. We're in the image of God. God is the creator. That's the reason that you can believe that God can heal a person, because God is in you, and God made this world. He just spoke it, and his word become material. The very ground that you're sitting on is the word of God made manifest. If he didn't, where did he get it? See? He just spoke it, and it came into existence. He believed his own word. And if a man's born of the Spirit of God, he's an offspring of God, and that part of God is in him, and he believes every word that God says will materialize. See? And so that makes him part of God. The Holy Spirit in the man makes him a part of God. And now... Did you ever see people, nice people, but you just couldn't hardly stand to be around? Sure you have. You don't have nothing against them, but you can't stand to be around them. And then you've seen some person that's, oh, maybe a little old scrawny fella or a little old woman bent over a wash tub, but you just love to be around that person. You just love them somehow. It's the atmosphere that they've got around them. It's the way they live. They create an atmosphere that you like to be into. That's lovely people to be with. Now, my wife sitting there, and she was crying, so I said, now, the only thing for me to do now, Heavenly Father, in my heart, I said, is to create a different situation here. I said, now, Heavenly Father, I love you, and I've been ministering to your people, and here my poor little wife is all tore up. The baby's sitting there pulling one another's hair and fighting over the box, and I said, we don't want that. So you help me, Father, and I believe you're going to do it. So I said, well, praise the Lord, honey. I said, this has been a marvelous day. I said, you see that kitty walk out a while ago, took them braces off and walked away, and that man out there in the hammock said, Brother Van, just speak the word. That's all I have to do, and my child will come out of here. And oh, a lot of faith. You know, I got talking. She said, Oh, honey, said it's so wonderful. But said, oh, Look at these kitties. Said they haven't eaten since this morning. Said I couldn't get even get around in the kitchen. I said, Oh yeah, but that's all right. Just think when it's all over, what we're going to do then? I said, My, when we sit down with them over there and when they ring those golden bells some of these days. And the Jubilee songs begin to sing, and there comes Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I said, just watch me shine then. And I said, honey, we're going to have you right on the arm like that, and we're just going to walk right up those streets. I go, she, I seen a little smile come out of her face, and I thought, thank you, Lord. Just kept on. I said, now we'll get supper ready right quick. And I said, we'll shove out right quick, and we'll go somewhere and get the old car and pull around down along on the hill somewhere. And I said, we'll just have a good time. And she started getting stuff ready every once in a while. I, I would walk over and I'd say, oh, Lord, now just let me create this atmosphere of being happy instead of being like this. I laid my hands on her like that. And I said, honey, you know what? She thought I'd just put my hands on her and talk to her about laying my hands on her in Jesus' name. You see? Then, honey, you know what? I said, it's just marvelous. I said, you know, uh, uh, this coming summer, I said, we're going up into the mountains. I said, as soon as I get a little time for vacation, I said, I'd like to see them kids catch one of those trout. Wouldn't you like it? She said, oh, that was a lot of fun. I said, oh, it's coming right along. I said, yes, honey, that's just fine. Oh, Lord God, please. I just, and the first thing you know, she was laughing and singing. The kids had their blocks in there just to play and having a big time. See, that's the way it is. You just keep believing. 
Create the atmosphere. Let never let doubt come around. You believe all the time. Don't, don't accompany any of that doubt at all. No, sir. No matter what the circumstances is, push your way down. Walk right on through it. Just refuse it. Just uh, don't give no grounds at all. That's, I remember Brother Tom's, I don't know whether you know this or not, but that same night I got in the car and went out on the river. We was riding around up over some big bluffs down in Indiana. Not leveled out quite as well as Georgia is down here. So we was riding around some big river bluffs, and all at once my windshield just become white. And I heard my wife say, what, Bill? And it had been about five minutes later. And I'd seen old brother Bosworth get off of a train and was stricken down. They took him to the hospital, and the Lord said, pray for him right at once. And I pulled on a brake. She said, you don't mean you've been having a vision all this time since you've been sitting there about ten minutes driving around a bluff a hundred feet below me like that. And said, and you were, I said, I didn't know nothing about it. And I stopped. We got out and prayed for Brother Bosworth. We went home as on a Saturday. And on Sunday night, about the same time just before going down to the tabernacle, well, the phone kept ringing, and so they was answering it, and finally said, this is long distance, uh, I mean, the uh, operator out of Louisville, my hometown's a small one, so uh, uh, exchange, uh, the Western Union closes up about 6 o'clock, so they called me out of Louisville, and said, come to the phone, and said, Reverend Branham, Reverend Bosworth sends a telegram from South Africa, and um, wants you to have prayer for him, and that was signed by Roger Yeager over there, one of the presidents of the big association, so I said, lady... Could you tell me what time that that telegram left Africa? She said, oh, yes. And she told me when it left. I went and got the Pan-American chart that I had. And you know what? It was just 24 hours from the time that Brother Bosworth started that telegram over here. The angel of the Lord beat it here 24 hours and told me to pray for Brother Bosworth. <laughs> the angel of the Lord had spoken. At the time I could get him back on the telephone, the Lord already healed him and he's up and going. That's the love and contact. Oh, brother, you talk about telephone. My. <laughs> God's got that beat a million miles. The angels of the Lord are captured out those who fear him. How his marvelous work. That old man loved me. My, my, he'd laid out his life for me. And I would for him. We're brothers. Contact. I could stand here for hours giving testimonies like that. And how that love will work. How that love will move. Look, one day, I remember I was on patrol. And I was going out. Now, you may laugh at this, but that'll be between you and God. And there's been a big old... Male cow down there, he killed a colored man, and they'd, they'd sold him up to a, another farm. Well, I had to turn some fish loose that afternoon in the conservation, some minnows in the creek. So then, and I had a sick call over across the way, and I thought, I'll just walk over there and, and make this sick call and pray for this sick person, then go back to my truck. And I got out of the truck, walked across the field, and I was going out there in some little old shrub. I never thought about that old fellow being in there. He killed a colored man very mean. And so, I got out there in the middle of the field about 300 yards from the fence, just some little scrub trees around about four or five feet high. And when I got out there, all of a sudden, up jumped that big fella, and I recognized that was the field that he was in. Now, he raised up there and let out a big feller like that and threw his head down. Now, this may seem strange. I'm not telling it for a joke. It's the truth. There wasn't a tree to go to. I know he could beat me to the fence. There was nothing to do but die right there in the field. My gun was in the car. And there I was standing in the field. But then, if what happened then would only happen now and stay that way, but somehow or another, instead of hating that bull, I loved him. Now, that seems strange, but I did. I loved him. I thought, poor fellow, I disturbed him. And he looked at me like that, and I wasn't uh, more afraid that bull was going to hurt me, and I am this preacher sitting here. 
there was no fear at all. I love him. I thought, well, I'll harm him. And he started coming towards me with his head down like that and just throwing the dirt over his back. And I just stood there just as calm as I am right now. And he run right up, and I thought, well, that poor fellow, I know how I'd hate to be walk, walk up like that. And here he come with his head down. And when he got to me, I said, now, now, look, I am sorry that I disturbed you. I said, I didn't mean to do that. I said, you are God's animal, and I am God's servant. And God is sending me over here to pray for a sick woman. I'm on God's mission. Now, I'm God's servant. You don't want to hurt me. Now, in the name of Jesus Christ, you go back and lay down. And when that bull running right towards me just as hard as he could, and he got within about five feet, he just threw out his feet and stopped. And he looked at me like that. He looked sideways, just so depleted, and turned right back around and went over and laid down under that tree. That's how to kill her. You say, that can't be. Listen, the God that lived in Daniel's days is still alive today. No matter what it is. Yes, sir. Here, last summer it was, I believe. I got more in my yard, and I got a big yard, and I couldn't get nobody to help me. I, I uh, mowed a few rounds, and somebody come in. I had to run in and take my overalls off and put on my suit and go and pray for them. That time I get rid of them, I run back out and mow a couple more rounds, and uh, the grass is going to the front yard before I get the back one mowed. It's about two weeks later, and I got in the backyard one afternoon, and I had on a pair of overalls, and I just taken my shirt off. And, there, and I was hot, you know, and I just mowed as hard as I could just a little more. And there's a little fence that runs down, and a little old box setting there, a little martin box for some birds they put up there for the kitties, and a bunch of hornets had built in there. And I hit against that fence, and I was covered over in a few minutes with hornets, just, and me had no shirt on. Well, you know what? That same thing happened. I thought, now, I disturbed them little fellows. God knows whether this is true or not. And I said, now, poor little fellow, I said, I'm sorry I disturbed you. I, I'm God's servant. And if people come here, I minister to them. I'm in a hurry to get this yard mold. I'm sorry I disturbed you now. In the name of Jesus Christ, you little fellows run right back in your box now, and I won't disturb you no more. And God, my living judge, them hornets lined up one by one and went right straight back in that box and never even got a thing. God still lives and reigns. Amen. That's true. In the little book there called In the Life Experience, you read it. By the way, we just got a few books left, and friends, we won't sell books on Sunday. We never. I don't believe, I'm not a book salesman. I buy them books at 40 cents less than what I give them to you. Now, I've got to, I paid for these to come from South Africa, and then have someone here to sell them and buy a truck to bring them down in. You see where I go. My, I just lose on them. But if I didn't think they'd help you, I wouldn't, wouldn't send them. This is the last of the prints. They're out and gone. Just got a few more. But in there, you'll notice the testimony. I was in Portland, Oregon. Many, many times I have more people in in the meeting that night in here. And I was standing preaching. And the first thing you know, I seen a great big, huge fella run up there right there, his hands are shaking like that. And I thought he was, maybe he had a telegram for someone. And all at once, when he got up there to the platform, there's about 200 preachers standing back there on the back of the platform, and they just shrunk out of the building. And I thought, well, what's the matter? And this fella turned around, great shoulders, and stood about six foot and a half tall. And he had great big fists, big Great big arms on him. I weighed at that time 128. And he must have weighed about 250 or 260. And he looked at me and he said, You dirty snake in the grass, up here imposing yourself as a man of God, said I'll break every bone in that weasley little body of yours and show you what you're made out of. Well, I thought, My. And that great big fellow, he was well able to carry out his threat. So I turned around. There wasn't a preacher left. I looked everywhere. And I, 
I guess if, as you'd know it, the man was a maniac out of the insane institution, and they was hunting for him, the law was, and he just broke a preacher's jawbone and, and shoulder down there where he knocked him out in the street that afternoon. And so I just led two little police to Christ, and they were back in the building, when it was in the dressing room, where he was waiting to bring me out. And um, I was uh, standing there, and just as I thought, well, I was going to say, well, what's the matter with you, sir? And just about that time, that same thing happened again. The presence of the Lord. I just kept still. He walked over toward me, that big fist drawn up, everybody sitting breathless. He said, I'll break every bone in your body, so I'll knock you plumb back over there in the middle of that floor. Like that said, you hypocrite, you snake in the grass. I never said a word, looked up to him like that. He's coming walking toward me, his teeth set together, and his eyes like that. And I looked at him, I just never said a word. Brother, you better know what you're talking about in them kind of times. Right. I thought, Lord, uh, you're the one sent me out here. You're the one promised me. I'm depending on you. And he come walking a little closer. He said, tonight I'll break every bone in your body. And about then I heard something talking. It was myself. And it said, because that you have challenged the Spirit of God, tonight you'll fall over my feet. He said, I'll show you whose feet I'll fall over, you hypocrite. Walked right to me and just spit right in my face like that. I just looked at him. Stood there. He drawed back his big fist like that to hit me. I said, Satan, come out of the man in the name of Jesus Christ. And he threw his hands up and screamed. His eyes bulged way out. He turned around and around and around and fell on the floor and pinned my feet to the floor. The police had to come roll him off there before, he could get, before I could move my feet. Brother, that's it. The presence of Almighty God. No matter what it is, I'm, he's the Lord and a very present help in a time of trouble. Don't be afraid. Stand on your ground. When God moves, God is God. And he'll do it. See, it's love. Don't despise. No matter what it is, it is your enemy. Still love him anyhow. See? And now, tonight, the Lord Jesus Christ has promised us this thing. If we would believe, well, that's all things are possible. you believe that? All things are possible to him that believes. Now, let us bow our heads just a moment. Our Heavenly Father, I'm believing that was you that just come over the audience just then. And I pray that you'll come near. Something said stop right at this point. Not that these people would hear me, but that thou would hear, Lord. I pray now that you'll manifest yourself in the great outpouring of your spirit here. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. I'm simple enough to know when enough is done. The angel of the Lord is here. Exactly. Now, I want, I want perfect reverence. I don't know what this meeting turns out to be. We never know what one, what's going to happen. But I want you to believe with all your heart. I want you to know that he's, his presence is here. And now, in this audience here, perhaps there's several hundred people sitting right along here, four or five hundred people, maybe more. But you're strangers to me. But his presence is here. If there be anybody here that would have a, just the least bit of doubt in, in their mind, I just trust that God would forgive you for it. But if you believe that his presence is here, and he can now by his stripes can do the same things here on earth tonight that he did when he was here the other time, do you believe it with all your heart? Now, it's kind of struck me suddenly. But when he was here, is anybody here for your first time? Let's see your hands. Anybody? Just the first time. My, that's fine. We're glad to have you. But you've probably never seen to me. We give this night away to something else, just to, to bring the people to the prayer line. I want to ask you something. Let, let me tr 
to say this from the bottom of my heart. There's no man can heal you. You know that. There's no one can heal you. Christ has already did that. It's your faith in his finished work. Now, if this what we've talked about all these years, what our mothers and fathers believe, that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and he raised from the dead and is living among men today, and when he was here on earth, before he left, he said, the things that I do shall you do also. Is that right? He said that to his church. He said to them, when they questioned him why he didn't heal everybody and so forth there at the pool of Bethesda, he said, I only do what the Father shows me to do. The Father shows me, then I do what he tells me. In other words, he gives me a vision that I do. He stood in the audience, looked up on the people. He knew what was wrong with them. A woman touched his garment and went out of the audience and he turned around and said, who touched me? And he couldn't find it. Directly his face come along to him. He found the woman and said, your faith has made you whole. Now, if that Jesus has raised from the dead, then he's duty-bound to his word to manifest the same thing. Is that right? He's got to for his word's sake. Now, here's some time ago standing talking to a real well-known minister throughout America. He said he had been talking to a Mohammedan, and the Mohammedan had been educated here in America. And the Mohammedan said, when he went to leave and go back to across the sea again, he said um, to India, he said, look, sir, before you leave, said, why don't you accept the lovely Lord Jesus as your Savior and go back really a Christian? He said, well, kind sir, the Mohammedan said, he said, I, I have a religion, said, I'm a Mohammedan. He said, yeah, but said, your old prophet's dead and gone, Mohammed. But said, said, won't you accept the Lord Jesus as your Savior? He said, well, Mohammed is my Savior, sir. He said, well, now, Mohammed is my Savior. He said, well, I could say the same thing about your Lord Jesus. And he said, well, now, just a moment. He said, you see, our Lord Jesus raised from the dead. Your Mohammed is in the grave. He said, did he? He said, you've had 2,000 years to prove it. And said, you haven't done it yet. He said, our religion is greater than yours. But there are twice as many Mohammeds there as Christians. He said, you all claim he rose from the dead, but did he? So how can you prove that he raised from the dead? So look, said, your Lord Jesus, you said, raised from the dead 2,000 years ago. And said, you've had 2,000 years to prove it. And not only one third of the world knows anything about it. That's true. The man was right. He said, let Mohammed raise from the dead and the whole world know it in 24 hours. So what's the matter? Now, the man had a point. He said, well, you see, we know he raised from the dead because we believe that we're saved. He said, so do we. He said, look, sir, your Jesus wrote a book. You call it the Bible. You read it, you believe it. He promised life after death. He said, our prophet Mohammed wrote the Koran, which is a Bible to us. We read it, believe it. He promised life after death. He said, but look, kind sir, he said, well, we have joy. He said, look, Mohammedism can produce just as much psychology as Christianity can. He said, we're just as happy thinking of it as you are happy thinking of yours. He said, we're just as happy thinking that Mohammed will raise the dead as you are thinking Jesus will come again. And he said, we have just as much psychology as you all have. He said, but here, sir, if you name the subject, let me ask you something. Watch where a Christian defeated. He said, you... Well, I